This is All Things Antis, a podcast from the technical support staff at PADT, episode 118, all about Ansys HPC licensing. Greetings all, my name is Eric Miller, and I'm your host for these podcasts, as well as one of PADT's three owners. I know that when we came back from my hiatus, we said we were going to do just one episode a month of all things ANSYS, and that's still the plan, but it turns out not only do people actually listen to this podcast, we listen to our listeners. We recently received a request from a regular listener to have an episode about ANSYS's HPC licensing options. It turns out that it is a bit of a complex subject because ANSYS has spent some time tweaking the various ways you can get access to more GPUs and cores that make sense for a wide variety of users. So this is a short episode, mostly our discussion on that topic. Therefore, without further preamble or introduction, let's listen in on the discussion. I had with some key members of PADT's technical support team, all about ANSYS HPC licensing. So I want to welcome everybody for joining us today. We're going to have a discussion, which um, is the first time in a long time was prompted by an email from a listener to the podcast um, who, like many of us, myself included, can get a little uh, overwhelmed by trying to get their head around how HPC, high-performance computing, licensing works in the ANSYS product suite. So this is basically parallel and things like that for running on multiple cores or multiple GPUs across machines, all that stuff. Um, ANSYS has a licensing scheme for that that uh, you know um, makes it a, a value add for the users, um, but it can get a little complicated. So we've asked some of our experts here from our tech support team to join us and help me understand it. And hopefully, by helping me understand it, it'll help you understand it. So I've got Alex, Daniel, Ahmed, and Ted. So Alex, why don't you introduce yourself and what you do here at PDT? Sure. My name is Alex Moody. I'm an application engineer at PDT in the electronics area, so high-frequency, high-speed electronics, tools like HFSS and SI Wave. And I've been at PDT for about a year and a half now, I would say. Fantastic. Daniel. Hi, uh, Daniel Chaparro. I'm an application engineer for the fluids uh, part of the business, so um, CFD with fluent primarily. I've uh, been with PDT for about three years, and... Um, background is primarily in aerospace. Fantastic. Document. Yeah. Um, so I handle licensing installations, HPC, RSM, basically making sure that the software runs as it should. I've been with PADT uh, almost nine years now. Great. Great. Yeah, if you call, if you're a PADT customer and you call about any of these kind of IT-ish issues, including licensing, uh, Ahmed's the one that, that helps you out. Um, and then Ted, well, let us uh, share what you guys do here, what you do here. Okay, sure. So I'm the director of our simulation support team here at PADT. So Ahmed, Daniel, and Alex are all members of the, the team. Long time at PADT, long time user of ANSYS. Um, so haven't used the tools from an HPC standpoint myself in quite a while, but um, happy to contribute uh, where I can on our call today. Cool. Well, I appreciate it. So everybody kind of jump in as we go through this. Um, I think the most important thing to start with is, um, does anybody want to kind of explain what HPC is, what parallel solving is. 
All right, I'll break the silence. There we go. Thank you. <laughs> you so, first. Uh, yeah. In, initially, way back when, basically when uh, CPUs were introduced, they were uh, single thread, where you can only run a single instruction at a time. If you think about it, uh, in simple terms, it's like one of those uh, flashing lights when you're trying to get on the highway. So every green light, you get one car going through. Uh, with development of uh, CPU technologies, you started getting more and more lanes where the CPU now behaves like a you know a six lane, ten lane, twelve lane highway. Mm. Uh, the most recent CPUs, you can go up to sixty four uh, processes or sixty four instructions can execute in parallel on one chip, uh, right? On on a single chip, yeah. Mm. And then on top of that, they added virtualized chips, so you can double that number. Mm -hmm. um, so with this many lanes open, software developers, especially people who are compute heavy, uh, started developing software that utilizes this multi-lane highway to run instructions. And what this reflected uh, directly uh, on the results is you get faster output. Mm -hmm. uh, and from there, that the concept of high-performance computing or parallel computing came out. So you have parallel processors, and then you connect multiple machines together, and you, then you have a parallel cluster or a high-performance cluster. And in some some environments, you have thousands or tens of thousands of these machines running in parallel, providing millions of highway lanes to uh, execute instructions. Right, and this is not just CFD, right? It's it's almost all of the Ansys products have some parallel capability. Is that a valid statement these days? That is correct. The majority of Ansys, uh, mm -hmm. probably all of Ansys uh, products have an HPC element to them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It it's just does the math work uh, mm -hmm. in parallel? Can you break down the the math into you know separate? chunks that can process side by side mm -hmm. like, like you said with the cars right can i can i load up six cars and drive them side by side rather than um six in a row or or one yeah. full of everything yeah so we won't get too much that that's all i want to kind of cover from the hpc standpoint and, and we can certainly come back and talk about that a little bit later but it's really the licensing so my understanding is that uh, ansys has multiple ways to access and the most important one is when you have a license of an ansys product you get how many cores with that license so by default the solvers provide four cores, so okay. you can solve on four four separate threads or on four separate cores uh, at the same time. So with my mechanical license or my CFD license, and is that true for HFSS as well? I don't. That's also true for HFSS, okay. correct. Right. So I, I, I basically can, and most desktops now, right, have six to eight uh, cores built in uh, or more. So that's great to know. So we're starting there. I'm, I'm old enough to remember when it was two. So that's good that we get four included. I won't say it's free, but it's included in that base license. And then um, so, the, I, so I can buy individual HPC tasks. Is that correct? Um, that is true. And those are just called, what do they call those? Just uh, HPC license? ANSYS HPC. ANSYS HPC. So as an example, if I'm running ANSYS Mechanical and I want to use 10 cores, 
I get four with my mechanical license, and then I need to consume six HPCs um, to get to 10, correct? That's correct. We probably need to whiteboard this to make sure we get it right. Okay. <laughs> so now, where where it gets confusing is there's also something called HPC pack. Right. Please explain that. Okay. So in addition to individual ANSYS HPC licenses, which can come one at a time or can be bundled in what's called work group, so customers can get a work group of, say, 32 or 64 ANSYS HPC licenses. There are also ANSYS HPC packs. And so one pack enables solving on an additional eight cores. Okay. So the difference is a pack has to be consumed all at once. Mm -hmm. But two packs get you more than eight times two additional cores two packs enable 32 additional cores and so three packs i think gets you to 128 correct me if i'm wrong guys 64 it's doubled yeah no three packs is 128 really 28 yeah so three packs gets you to 128 okay of four yeah but the difference with with a pack is that you know the way i i try to explain it is it's like having you know, you, you go to the store and you can get, uh, you know, an, a six pack of beer or soda or water, whatever it is. And so for the individual ANSYS HPC, that's like having a bottle at a time. So okay. you, you might have a work group bottle or work group pack of bottles that gives you 32 individual bottles but you don't have to use all those at once. You can use, you can consume two at a time, you can consume six at a time, but uh, you have 32 individual bottles. Whereas the HPC pack, those come in basically a sealed unit of eight and you have gotcha. to consume all of them at once. So one user is going to tie up all eight of those. So even if there's only six additional cores available, all eight of that HPC pack are going to be consumed and unavailable for anyone else to use. So it's just a different mechanism for how additional cores are enabled and there's a different pricing structure. So as you might imagine, an individual HPC, ANSYS HPC license is going to cost less than an HPC pack, mm -hmm. um, but it really depends on you know how many cores you're planning on solving on. So if you have lots of cores, getting a few ANSYS HPC pack licenses may be more cost effective than having the work group bundle of the individual ANSYS HPC licenses. So with HPC packs, let's say you have three ANSYS HPC packs available. So one user could consume all three and that would enable solving on additional 128 cores, or you could have one user consume one pack that gives that user an additional eight cores and another user could check out the other two HPC packs and that would give them access to 32 additional cores. Or you could have three users each checking out one HPC pack enabling an additional eight cores for each. So it really just depends on the use case and who needs which HPC resources as far as which model is better. But, you know, ANSYS gives you options for how to purchase and utilize additional HPC cores. So hopefully that explains it. Yeah. Guys, correct me if I'm missing something. 
Oh, that's great. So, so let me make sure I understand it because because I'm starting to get my head around it. So, um, and I like your analogy of I can I can buy um, uh, uh, soda bottles by themselves, which is the the just the basic HPC license. I can buy work groups, which is kind of a volume discount, but I can open the box and take the bottles out and drink them one right. at a time. Right. Whereas or I can the buy packs. a pack. You gotta like a, you gotta drink yeah. all of them at the same time. Same time. So it's, hopefully it's, it's water. Wine. Right. Hopefully it's water <laughs> and not something that's gonna make you sick or totally inebriated. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So so I think that's a good way to look at it. Is um, if I buy the pack, I got to use them all at the same time. Um, I can't take the bottles out individually, but there's a cost advantage to that. And yeah. um, and. Just to get away from that analogy, so <laughs> the, the license, it's not a one and done. I mean, right. check it out, you use it, Good point. and then it goes back in, and then the next person can check that out again. It's not like the the it's drink like where you're consuming it and it's gone. It's About like you're I don't want to take the analogy further, but you're <laughs> using it and putting it back. So it's really good wine, and I'm just looking at the label and admiring it. And then I put it back. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, that works. Uh, <laughs> so that, I like I like the way of thinking it that way, um, and, and and of course you have to talk to whoever you're buying your answers from on the pricing. But the basic idea is that if you, if you buy a hundred, uh, you know, two thousand cores and you buy them individually as licenses, those single bottles, that's a lot more expensive than buying. Um, let's say 2052. I think if you buy five packs, you get 2052 cores. And that's going to be much cheaper than buying. With work groups or individual licenses. Um, yeah, and and so within your application, and I think we're focusing on the flagship products yes, here, which yes. are mechanical, fluent, and probably HFSS or Maxwell. So within those tools, you're specifying how many cores you want to solve on. Mm -hmm. And I know for the electronics tools, you have to specify which of these two types of licenses that you are going to use, and most people have one or the other, um, but you still need to tell the tool which one you're gonna use. And maybe Alex, you can explain that a little bit more. Yeah, by default, it's set to pool, which is workgroup HPC. And if you have workgroup HPC, that's great. You don't have to change anything really, but mm -hmm. if you have the HPC pack, you would have to go to that drop-down menu and select pack. Okay. Otherwise, you, you will get a licensing error. That's a pretty frequent problem where people install a new version of HFSS or Maxwell or electronics desktop in general, and they run a new simulation and forget to go check. Do they switch it to pool or pack? And uh, that error can arise. So that's a really important takeaway. If you're if you're listening and you're going to use this, remember to do that because I, I I can see that be you got your model all set up, you're ready to kick off all these cores, and oops, <laughs> that's good to know. That's good to know. Um, so yeah. so what? One question I had, um, we've been talking about CPU cores, right? So that's, you know, solves per clock tick. Um, this, what, where did GPUs fit into this licensing scheme? Ooh, that's a fun one. Um, so GPUs, uh, basically, they, they were purpose-built to solve matrices. And right. if, if you think of your screen, it's just a gigantic matrix of pixels. Mm-hmm. So when it's trying to render an image, it's doing really, really fast, very, very specific kind of math. Of course, tinkers being tinkers, they said, hey, we could solve math problems on this. And mm -hmm. they started writing code that can run on GPUs. And uh, 
so ANSYS uh, got on that bandwagon and now a lot, if not all of these solvers have a, a GPU capability. Now, GPUs, if you go look at them and you look at how many cores, you're, you're talking 3,000 cores, 2,000 cores, and it would be, you know, a little bit short of insanity to charge per right. core on a GPU. Um, so what ANSYS did is they they license a GPU as a single CPU core because you cannot utilize it fully for the solve. It's only for the highly parallel matrix kind of solving part of it. So if you're running on, you know, three CPU cores and a single GPU, then you don't need an HPC license. But beyond that, you would start adding. Uh, the limitation there is you can't have more GPUs than CPUs. Uh, okay. Yeah, well, you have to you have to put a core to each uh, GPU. Yeah, to manage it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll say there's there's one exception there uh, with with the now native uh, fluent GPU solver. Mm -hmm. um, it's not as simple. It's um, it's now based on the the number of streaming multi processors, and maybe Ahmed knows what that means. But, <laughs> but it's not but it's not just as simple as uh, you know swapping the GPU as one one uh, CPU. So, okay. uh, but the, the traditional fluent solver that just uses GPU acceleration for part of the simulation, okay. that, uh, that is that easy swap. One GPU is one CPU. That's a really good point because they are starting to write solvers that don't just use the GPU for a step or two in the matrix solve. They do the whole thing on the GPU, which they think is what the, the new fluent GPU solver is doing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. So, so I definitely understand it better. Um, I still feel like you need to write it as if, so if you're one user and you're just doing HPC, it's easy, but if you are running one job at a time, but if you're running multiple jobs, you got multiple users, it gets a little complicated. And, and I think drawing pictures kind of helps with that. But the basic idea is you get four and then you add either individual licenses uh, from a work group or an individual license purchase or a pack as a, as a group of licenses um, to the uh, to the solve and so it's four plus whatever you add so uh, and GPUs count as a CPU in most cases so um, yeah seems straightforward right um, and and just in case people don't know how how is this administered is it is it using the standard flex LM licensing? Yeah, so uh, once you get a license file that contains HPC, there's a task that is added either HPC okay. pack or ANSYS HPC. Okay. And it's there's nothing special <clears throat> uh, beyond just adding the, the correct license okay. file. So if I want to use it, as long as I point to my license file, I have access to those. And somebody hasn't restricted it through fancy stuff. I have access to those, right? Correct. And then how, if I'm a user, how do I know how many licenses my company has for HPC? Ooh, that's a good question. Yeah. Um, so I would, I would look at the license file, but most people don't have access to that. So Yeah, so majority of people don't have access to that. In the later versions of ANSYS being 21R2 forward, there's a new tool uh, under the start menu, under the ANSYS folder, and it's called ANSYS licensing settings or ANSYS client licensing settings. Okay. 
And if you open that, there's a view uh, status or view uh, features in use. Oh. Yeah, and clicking that will basically get you a dump from the license server showing each line item, how many licenses are issued, and how many are in use. So you can tell that the combustion guy has used up all 128 of your parallel cores licenses. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and so you have to beg to share some. Okay. Uh, that's good to know. That's really good to know. So so what was the name of that tool again? It's ANSYS licensing settings or ANSYS client licensing settings, okay. depending okay. on the version. And that brought up another question I had, which is this all works with remote solve and core, correct? As long as you get your licensing, or sorry, I said core, cloud, as long as your licensing is set up correctly? Yes. So as long as, so ANSYS is pretty cool when it comes to uh, this part of the licensing. Mm -hmm. As long as the software sees the license server, mm -hmm. it will run. Okay. If it's, you know, if the, if you're in the cloud somewhere, Hey, maybe in a few years on on moon, on the moon, uh, <laughs> and and you're solving from here. It, as long as it sees the license server and it has a decent response time, it will run. That's a long VPN connection. Yeah. Um, <laughs> cool. That that's really really good to know. Um, okay, I I I feel like I understand it a lot better. Um, does anybody have anything that we missed or that they want to yes. add or clarify? Yes. Go ahead. So, Ted. A couple of things. So mm -hmm. one is, you know, questions we get asked a lot. Yes. What about virtual cores? Okay. And so that's one. We can have a team talk about that. And another one more recently is the performance versus efficiency cores. Oh. Some of the newer Intel processors. Not heard of that before. Let's do the virtual first and then the then the other one second. Anybody want to tackle that? All okay, right, so I guess it's, it's you, Ted. Go ahead. Go ahead, All right, Ted. well, I guess the historic position of ANSYS has been turn off virtual cores. Mm -hmm. okay. So norm, normally the ANSYS solvers don't utilize virtual cores. There, I think there are some exceptions, mm -hmm. um, but in general, don't consider virtual cores as cores that you're going to use to solve ANSYS on. And is that something you change in the OS, or do you do it from an ANSYS level? That is a BIOS setting. It is a BIOS setting. Okay. Yeah. So if you've got a box that you're running a lot of parallel on, you should just go ahead and turn off those virtual cores. Um, virtual cores uh, are basically oversubscribing uh, instructions to the to the number of cores. So, for example, uh, anybody who remembers analog phones. Uh, mm -hmm. Like a neighborhood would have 60 lines assigned to it, but there would be, you know, 200 homes that are mm -hmm. using those lines. And the, and the phone company is betting that you're not going to have more than 60 people at a time. And CPUs are doing the same thing. So you have, okay. you know, 12 cores and they're, they're making 24 cores available to the OS. And they're betting that only less than 12 are going to try to solve at the same time. So that's the, the concept of virtual cores. Cool. And when you're solving your ANSYS model, chances are the physical cores are all being utilized 100% or close to that. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. you're you're hammering them. I mean, you're not you're not browsing the web. You're hammering it. So so that's good. Okay. So the second. So then one, we get Ted. to the performance versus efficiency cores, yeah. and you know this was a question that we had come up 
within the last month from a customer here at PADT. And I believe, you know, we found some older information, but I believe the latest version of the ANSYS hardware document has some information in there. Does anybody remember what that was? I happen to have it open so I could I could cool. speak up. Great. They say for these new hybrid architectures that have performance cores and efficiency cores that you should set process pinning or affinity to run on P cores only. So the performance cores only for best performance. Okay. And that's an ANSYS setting or a BIOS setting again? I'm not clear. I think that might be a BIOS setting, but I'm actually not sure myself because I don't have like one of these it. machines. So, like it. so there, is, there is a setting in the BIOS to basically block access to the efficiency cores. But uh -huh. uh, of course, we, we couldn't leave this at the surface. We opened a <laughs> service request with ANSYS and dug into it. And the latest response that I got from the development was to not set affinity, but not consume any more cores than performance. And this basically, the Intel, the way it does it, it will use performance first and then offload okay. to the efficiency cores. So if I've got four performance and four efficiency, only ask for four cores. Because if I ask for eight, it will try to use efficiency cores, which will slow me down. Exactly. That's good to know. Yeah, so it's an evolving I found topic. That out recently. <laughs> okay, evolving topic. Um, definitely um, check that out. I don't know that we have any of those new boxes that have this new efficiency core, but it's definitely something to pay attention to if you do get a machine. Um, and it's behaving slowly, that could be one of the reasons why. Um, you, you don't want to pay for those HPC packs and then run it on a, a core that's made for basically doing background operations, right? Um, so the, the other, so there, there's a couple of other considerations <laughs> that come up uh, when we're dealing with HPC, HPC sizing okay. and use. Number one, the first and foremost is the, the CPU is but one piece of the uh, of the equation. Right. So if you have slow RAM or a slow network connection or a slow uh, hard drive, mm -hmm. then expect a slow outcome. Mm -hmm. Your computer is as fast as your slowest component. Right. Right. Um, so that that's that's the first thing. The second thing to consider is what is the pattern of use that you have at your company. For example. You know, if you go to the big aerospace or the big automotive mm -hmm. companies, they have, you know, oh, we have 25,000 cores to play with or mm -hmm. things like that. So they have schedulers and resource managers and, and a way to manage all of this demand. Mm -hmm. But if you're, you know, three guys that just moved out of the garage into mm -hmm. your first office, <laughs> um, it's important to, under, to, to consider what's the usage pattern. Is everybody going to be hammering HPC all the time? Is it on demand? Is it? one guy who you know who hides in the dark room who runs all the hpc <laughs> <laughs> so talk to you talk to your ansys channel partner and mm -hmm. explain as much as possible and that way we could probably do a cost effective method um i don't want to say the e-word but the the i was gonna ask <laughs> go ahead <laughs> the, <laughs> another option that you can get ansys licensing as is elastic licensing mm -hmm. which is you basically pay as you go if you recall like 10 years ago you get 3,000 minutes from sprint and you use them end of the month comes you lose them and you get another 3,000. in this case it's end of the year so you buy credits 
on the ANSYS uh, flexible licensing platform mm -hmm. and you use them as you need them. Uh, and they, the subscription lasts for a year and you could consume them. If you run out, you can add it on top of those. Mm -hmm. um, and now what, what that provides is the flexibility. So you could use all of your credits for HPC. You could use it for solvers. You could use it for tools that you're you know, ex exploring. Do, am I ever going to use this? Mm -hmm. You can launch it and use it and be like, nope, not my kind of, uh, not, not useful for my business and shut it down and it won't cost you uh, a yearly license. Right. Or, or a great use case is I've got this one job that I want to run on 64 cores um, and I'm never going to need that again. So instead of buying a license or leasing a license for 64, you can, you can buy the elastic, assign those as HPC and use it that way. Good. Yeah. So, and, and I, I highly recommend if you're going to use Elastic, talk to your salesperson and the tech support provider. And make sure you understand it, uh, so you use it efficiently. Yeah. Yep. Cool. So, there's another thing that mm -hmm. I, I'd like to bring up. So, we get asked questions on, can you help me scope out a good system? Okay. And so there is an Ansys hardware document. It's available on the Ansys customer portal. I think if you log in and search on hardware document, you'll find it. So mm -hmm. that does get updated periodically, and it has recently been revamped within the last couple of months. So that is a great source of information that are pe that for people that are looking to purchase a system. It could be a laptop. It could be a workstation. It could be something larger. Uh, so look for that. And the other thing I'd like to mention is Ansys does have a free benchmark program right now. So uh, it allows you to upload a model to ANSYS and it will get solved on, you know, I think what they described as a small HPC system, but mm -hmm. that could be a way to help you uh, determine what kind of benefit you might achieve from using HPC and might help you, you know, get steered in the right direction on what type of hardware you might look into getting for yourself. Um, if you're looking for that, if you just go to the ANSYS website, ANSYS.com, and type in the search uh, field free benchmark program, you should be able cool. to find it. That is very good so to know. There are yeah. some you know, terms of use you have to agree to, mm -hmm. but um, it's there and it is available. Yeah. You obviously can't trick them into running your production job. Um, <laughs> but I think it's really important to, that that everybody knows that that's a you're gonna you're gonna spend money on licenses and hardware, so doing a benchmark beforehand is really nice. Um, does a G for your kind of problem? Does a GPU help or hurt or is again? Do you need two? Do you need one? You know, these are great things to be able to answer. And there um, are standard benchmark mm -hmm. data that is published on the ASUS website okay. as well. Good. Okay, that is good to know. Wow, this is great. Um, anything else? Okay, I think we got it understood. Um, and for the HPC stuff, um, if it if it is still not clear, uh, highly recommend that you reach out to whoever you get your answers from, your answer support from, and they would love to help you understand it. And uh, I think that's it. Um, I really appreciate your time. Um, I'm going to try and hold this in my head till we talk about it again. Um, so if somebody asked me, I can, I can, I don't have to say go talk to Ackman. Yeah, a lot of <laughs> development going on at Ansys Inc. Mm -hmm. on HPC GPU yep. solving. You know, we touched on that. You know, mm -hmm. Fluent now has a GPU solver at 
2023 R1, not all the Fluent capability is in there, but there is a lot and mm -hmm. it solves very quickly. Yeah. Yeah, we really, really didn't talk about it, but it's it's in some cases linear, right? If you add 32 cores, it runs 32 times faster. GPUs can give you even bigger increases. So um, right. it's it's uh, really, really cool stuff. So uh, check it out. Check out our blog uh, on the blog uh, articles on it and check out the ANSYS blog articles on it. And, um, you know, if, if you're sitting around drinking five cups of coffee to get a solve, you should be looking at HPC beyond the four that come with your core licenses. Cool. Well, thanks, guys. We'll talk soon. Appreciate it. Sounds good. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Hopefully that sheds some light on things. My big takeaway is that you should be able to find the right solution for your needs in the long run and for those short-term peaks. As always, if you have any further questions, please do reach out to us at podcast at pdtinc.com or reach out to whoever you get your ANSYS support from. Since this is a short episode, I'll keep the commercial short as well. The whole time we were talking about ANSYS HPC, I was also thinking about ANSYS Cloud. As you know, PDT has a very active consulting team, and although we run most of our jobs on our in-house hardware, sometimes we need a faster answer, or we have a problem that is just too big to fit on the machines we have. That is when we switch over to ANSYS Cloud. It's easy, it's fast, and it's cost-effective. When we tell our customers, you know, I, I can get this project done in a few days if you want to pay to run it on ANSYS Cloud, they often, you know, because they're engineers, they get scared and they back away and they say, that's going to cost too much. Then we tell them how much it is actually going to cost, and then their response is almost always, why didn't we start running there? So check out Cloud. Um, if you are a PDT customer, the same people who just talked to you about HPC will walk you through all the options we have on ANSYS Cloud and then help you get started uh, once you get going. If you don't work with PDT, reach out to whoever your salesperson is, and I'm sure they'll be able to help you as well. It really is a great way to increase your capacity and speed up your projects. So if you've been putting off trying it out, give it a try. Anyway, we're not going to go through a lot of news today. Again, this is a short episode. Just wanted to mention the uh, ANSYS stock ANSS is down a bit to 293 when it closed yesterday, which was May 10th. Uh, we'll look at their Q1 press release on the finances. They did that a few weeks ago um, in the next episode and then get in-depth into the stock and that kind of financial stuff when we go through that uh, information. I'm going to skip the rest of the news, no blog articles, and uh, we'll catch up on that on the full episode that we come up to. We do have a couple of events that I want to mention. Uh, PADT will be at Hill Air Force Base Tech Expo on May 24th. It's a great event. Um, the Air Force and their suppliers are doing some really cool things out there uh, for both maintenance of older aircraft and then newer aircraft. And there's just a lot of technology going on there at Hill Air Force Base north of Salt Lake City. So if you're going to be there, um, definitely stop by and say hi to PADT. Um, and if you're just a listener in Utah, reach out and and uh, we'll have a team there, and maybe they'll stop by and say hi. Uh, on that same day, May 24th, our next webinar will be on structural updates for 2023 R1, and we're going to focus on optimization and explicit simulations in structures. So don't miss that. One of our favorite topics is explicit simulation, and another one is optimization, so that's going to be a good one. And you can register at brighttalk.com as you can for anything that PADT does uh, webinar-wise. Just go to brighttalk.com, search for PADT, and you can see this webinar and recordings of all of our past webinars. It's all free, it's all easy to access, and it's all very informative. So 
that's what I got for today. I want to thank you. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter. A new version is coming out in a few uh, days. www.padtinc.com slash opt-in. Spread the word about the podcast. Please subscribe if you have not already. And as always, don't reach, don't hesitate to reach out. Thank you for joining us for this abbreviated version of the All Things Answers podcast, episode 118. As a reminder, this podcast is not affiliated in any way with Answers Inc., and the opinions expressed are those of the people on the show only and not of their current or former employers. For more information, visit www.pdtinc.com slash blog, and please share your thoughts and questions through an email to podcast at pdtinc.com. And as you see, if you ask for something, you'll probably get it. We'll see you next time.